available to you. Happy Mother's Day to every mother. Happy Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Today is a day really we set aside to honor all moms, all mothers. And, um, and, and so I want to do that today. I want to make sure that you mothers, every mother in here understands that you are very much loved and appreciated. And, and to my wife, uh, the mother of my two children, outstanding mom um, that any child would ever want. And so I've watched you with our children. Phenomenal job you've done. And so thank you for being the mother of my children. I want to pay this morning, I haven't done this before, I want to pay special tribute to my mother. My mother is, is the toughest and one of the most godly women that I've ever met. And so I'm going to talk very openly and um, hopefully in great appreciation about my mom. But before I do that, let me start by saying this. Short of just one thing, God's greatest gift to all of humanity is motherhood. And that said, uh, you know, I know that sometimes pastors and other public speakers can get themselves in trouble on days like today where we talk about Mother's Day because we run the risk of hurting people that maybe didn't have such a great experience. Some of you didn't have a good mother. It's just true. And for, so, for some of you, you know, you had a mother that was either abusive or maybe she neglected you in some way, or maybe you were even abandoned as a child. And so when you think about a mother and what a mother is supposed to mean, that evokes painful memories for you, not pleasurable ones. There are others of you in here who are mothers right now, and, and you're struggling because secretly you feel like you're not a good mom. You know, and you're not sure that, that you're giving your children, that they're getting from you everything that they need for a successful life. And then there are those of you in here who want so desperately to be a mom, and you've tried everything, and you haven't been successful, and you know that your biological clock is ticking, and you want children. And I'm also painfully aware of you, of that there are some of you in here that maybe have recently lost your mothers, and this, this time of year is painful for you. Or maybe... You're a mom who's lost a child recently. I went to get my hair cut last night, and my barber told me of a brand fresh new story of a, of a family in his church that the mom had just lost her baby and how the family was grieving and still mourning. And so if you are one of those people here today where this day is more a day of pain and loss and regret for you, I pray that the words that I share with you today will be in somehow encouraging and not, and not harmful for you. Because there's a reason why we celebrate motherhood. There's a reason why we celebrate this day. And the pain that you may be feeling as it relates to your mom really does bear witness to the fact of the importance of motherhood. And I'll say it again, just short of one thing, God's greatest gift to all of humanity is motherhood. I want to take you back to where motherhood began, back to the, the, to the beginning, back to Genesis. 
Genesis chapter 3, we have the fall of man. And, and, and if you recall, and maybe some of you don't know this story, God had created man and woman, and he had planted them in the garden. And, and God had given them a command. He said, of every tree, of every fruit, of everything, you can have everything, except for this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Chapter 3 rolls around, and we're introduced to the serpent for the first time. The serpent is the embodiment of Satan himself. And so the serpent now creeps into the picture, and he starts having dialogue with the woman. Starts to tell her things like, did God really tell you that? I think God is holding out on you. Have you ever thought about that? I think there's something God doesn't want you to know. And he knows that if you eat of this tree and you take this fruit, you will have all knowledge and you will be wise just like him. He's holding out on you. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you. There's a lesson here for us. You know, not all of us have been saved all of our lives. And some of us, we're snakes ourselves, weren't we? Mm-hmm. So the lesson that I want you to learn, guys, is this. Never let a snake talk to your woman. And be aware of the snakes that are out there that are trying to, to encourage your woman to do something that's outside of obedience to God. Here's what happened. The Bible says the woman saw that the tree was, was good and desirable, and she plucked the fruit out of the tree, and she ate it. And then she turned, and she gave it to her husband. And after the husband ate, immediately, the Bible says, their eyes were open. And there's the fall of man. Now let's pick it up in verse 14. Genesis 3, chapter 14 says this. It says, the Lord said to the serpent... Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman he said this, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you will bring forth children. Now listen packaged in this section, this passage of Scripture, isn't just the long-lasting ramifications of the fall where God pronounced judgment on all of humanity, but also packaged in this passage of Scripture, God pronounces judgment on Satan as well. Because this passage, written in this passage, is the first time that we see the gospel message. Redemption from all, for all mankind will come through the woman. It will come through motherhood. Now, I told you I was going to tell you a little bit about my mom. Hard to do in, in the 70-plus years that she has lived and as long as I've known her, so I'll just tell you a bit. You know, my mom is a pioneer. She arrived in Fairbanks, Alaska on March the 7th, 1955 with one child in tow, my oldest brother, Herb. By the time 1960 had arrived, my mom had had five boys. 
in the span of five years. And the children kept coming. Nine children total. Now, verse 16 here has two statements as it relates to motherhood. The first statement, and I'll say this, at first glance it looks like verse 16 is all one statement, but really it's two statements. The first has to do with the pains that mother will experience during pregnancy and delivery. The Bible says this, it says, surely, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Here's what my mom told me. She said, I remember very, very vividly every single childbirth as if they were yesterday. And here's what she said. She said, I want you to make no mistake. All childbirth, every childbirth is painful, Greg, and each one is very, very unique. And then she, she started walking down from the oldest to the youngest. I'm just, just going to capture a couple of them for you. She said, listen, her, my oldest brother, she said, he was my easiest pregnancy, says, and during my pregnancy with Herb, I was never sick. She said, I never had any aches and pains. When it came time for him to come, he was, uh, you know, he, he, I went to labor, and three hours later, I had delivered him. Very minimal pain. She says, Wayne, the fourth son, she says, when I had him, I, I sneezed my way into labor and delivery. She said, it's the most interesting thing. She said, you know, I learned later on that, you know, when you sneeze, it, it pushes everything down. She said, and I just had this fit of sneezing, and I went into labor. She said, I, sne- I sneezed all the way through the labor until I had the delivery of Wayne the fourth. And then she says, then there's you. <laughs> I was number five. And here's what she said, I promise you. She said, yours was the most memorable of all the pregnancies. She said, because I had chicken pox when I was with you, when I had you. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> like, as if to say, now that's what happened. Now we understand. She said, I was pregnant with you, and I had chicken pox, and so it was the most memorable. She said, and Jeffrey, she said, the youngest, said he, he, he was the most difficult because he didn't want to come out. And I got to tell you, man, my, my youngest brother, Jeff, he still has that attitude today, man. He's just like he just doesn't even want to be here. You know, she said he just refused to come out. So she labored and she labored and she labored. And finally they had to get forceps to go in and take him out. And when he got out, he still wasn't breathing. He's like, I'm just not doing this today. <laughs> wow. And Danielle, my youngest sister. I think my youngest sister is 32 and my oldest brother is 55. She was a surprise to all of us. And my mom said she was the only breech birth out of all the births. Nine children, nine childbirths, each of them painful. And the first half of verse 16 speaks to the physical pain of childbirth. But the second half, I believe, speaks to something else. It makes another statement. It talks about a different kind of pain. It talks about the pain of rearing and raising children. Verse 16b says this. It states, in pain you shall bring forth children. My mom told me, she said, listen, Raising children gave me the most extreme highs and the most extreme lows. Times of joy 
in times of real, difficult, extreme discouragement and pain. My mom recalled for me a time when she was in church and, and, and she said that some things had happened and that was very, very harmful and discouraging. She had announced to the ladies in the church that she was pregnant. And a couple of the younger sisters said, pregnant again? And she said all the joy turned to pain in that moment. Extreme low. And then she said, but right after that was an extreme high, several of the older women in the church she named, Mother Elsie Stevens and Mother Gertrude Thornton came around her. And this is what, she's, this is what they said to her, and I want to quote this. They said, go on and have your babies while you're young, honey. Do good by them. Grow up with them, and they will be a blessing to you. She said slightly after that was, a, was another word of encouragement that came from a woman named Mother Ira Lee Cotton who taught my mom that your first mission is to not neglect your children at home, to raise us up and to nurture us in the things of God with the love of a fully engaged godly mother. She told my mom, she said, I know you're a meticulous housekeeper, Mother McCormick or Mrs. McCormick. She said, but let me tell you something. Never keep your house so clean where your children can't invite their friends over. Because if you do and they can't invite their friends over, you don't know what they're doing. But if their friends are in your house, you know exactly what they're doing. My mom said, extreme highs, extreme lows. And she said, motherhood had difficult times. Now, remember. My mom is in North Pole, Alaska in the 50s. Now the 60s roll around. She's still out there. My mom says, you know, the tough times included times like, like the, when, we, when we got drifted in. And we were way, way back in like the deep, deep wilderness. I kid you not. And so there would be times in the winter where we would get snowed in for a week. And my mom said during those times routinely the weather would be down to 50, 60, 70 degrees below zero. Everybody say below zero. I can't even hardly fathom that now. She said, I remember one time it was 70 degrees below and we were socked in. We were snowed in and we couldn't get to town to get cold. She said, and I remember that we had to dismantle the garage. We had to start sawing the garage down piece by piece just so we could have enough wood to stay warm and survive. Man, my mom is tough telling you, man, survival. Not every one of her children survived. My second oldest brother named Otis Jr., um, my mom tells the story of, of waking up one morning and, and, and walking over to the crib, and he's not moving. He's still. I said, Mom, what was that like when you walked over and you, you knew something was wrong? She said, I, I scooped him up in my arms and I, I grabbed him and I held him so tight and I just screamed until your dad came. And your dad had to pry my arms off of my child. I know what it's like to lose a child, she said. Tough times, hard times, difficult times. But times of joy, too. She raised eight of us, and eight of us are still living. 
My parents raised eight children, and my mother nurtured us in the things of Jesus Christ. And now all eight of us today are following hard after Jesus today, followers of Christ. So now, why is being a godly mother so important? Why is being a godly mother so important? I think we find the answer to that in verse 15 of chapter 3. Where God says to Satan, to the devil, he says, listen, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between you and your offspring, between her offspring and your offspring, I should say. And, she, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. He said to Satan, he said, I'm going to put enmity against you and the woman, against your seed and her seed. That word enmity is a strong word. It, it, means, it means going into battle, into a hostile, ongoing battle, a life and death struggle between two combatants. That's what that means. And God said the outcome of this struggle between your seed, Satan, and the, and the seed of woman is that you will constantly be nipping at the heel of humanity. And that indicates that, that the wound is really, it's really just a flesh wound. If we understand the authority that we have in God, when the enemy is at us, y'all, no matter what he brings, it's really just a flesh wound. And then God tells us, he said, but he will bruise your head. When you think of, of, of someone bruising your head, and that word in the Greek means crush, he said, he will crush your head. He will mortally wound you again and again and again and again. Enmity, the ongoing struggle. Now, historically, Bible interpreters and, and commentators have, have viewed this, this, word, this, this word seed differently. They fall on different pages. Some believe that, it's, that uh, God is talking about an individual seed. Others believe that it's talking about humanity in general. I want to tell you where I land with this passage. I believe that this passage, this verse refers to humanity as it relates to the church. The bride of Christ under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the seed. We are the godly offspring. The seed of, of God that came through a woman, a mother, and through him, through this seed, we've been given kingdom authority. God said it to crush the head of the enemy. It's powerful. So, so where man's action in the garden, when man bit the fruit, I told you, you know, after man bit the fruit, the eyes of their understanding was open. Nothing happened until man bit the fruit. Once man bit the fruit, their eyes were open, and when that happened, condemnation came on all of humanity. But watch this now. The woman now starts playing a very important role, very significant, a role in liberating humanity from the tyranny of sin. And that's why I said this, apart from the Redeemer himself, mother is the greatest of all of God's creation because in motherhood rests the hope of the world, the hope of the future. 
The Redeemer came through man, through, through the woman. Let me tell you about the importance of motherhood. I don't want you to miss this. Our society downplays the role of motherhood today, especially godly nurturing mothers. But there's a phrase that, that, uh, that I captured a long time ago, and the phrase says this, that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And it's true. Because, listen, moms, there is no greater influence on your child than when you are holding them and speaking into their life and nurturing them in the things of God. There is no more powerful thing that you can do than to be a godly woman raising godly offspring, raising your children in the ways of Jesus Christ. My parents raised eight children. My mother nurtured us in the ways of Jesus. And today, all eight of us are constantly crushing the head of the enemy every chance we get. And so I want to leave you today with two charges. The first one is to mothers. My charge to mothers today is recognize the importance of what God has given you. And that it's, ne it's, it's never too late to be a good mom. God can show you how to redeem the time. Nurture your children in the things of God. Teach them the authority that they have in Jesus Christ and be godly mothers. That's my charge to you moms. My second charge is, is to the children because Every godly mother wants things for their children. The first thing they want is that they want their children to be the best that they can be and to have the best. I don't know a mother that says, you know what, I, I don't think I want you to have the best anymore. You've really talked me off today, Johnny, and so I don't want the best for you anymore. You ever heard a good mom say that? I know my mom probably wanted to say it a few times. But a good mom wants the best for her children. They want to see that their children have choices in this world, and they want to watch their children take the choices that's given them and make good choices as a result. But I'll say this. Every godly mom really wants one thing for their child, and that is to see their children, to see their child in a life-changing life-transforming relationship of enjoying God fully and understanding what it means to be in the presence of God. Every mom wants that. So now what do godly mothers want from their children? And so this is a charge to the children now. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, Verse 1, that we're to honor our parents. Your mom wants you to honor them God's way, to honor her God's way. Why? So that you can have his best. Verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter 6 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother, or your father and your mother, because this is the first commandment with the promise. And what's the promise? that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. 
So my charge to, to every child in here is to honor your mom. And Jose, you can bring your team up. To honor your mom. What does that mean to honor my mom? The first thing that you can do to honor your mom is listen to her. Obey her. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. That's what the Bible says. And when you honor her in that way, the Bible says it, you make it easy on yourself. You make it easy on yourself. Listen, why? Because you get to enjoy the blessings of God. That's the first thing. You get God's blessing. But here's the second thing. You avoid incurring the wrath of your mom. Yeah, you, you, you avoid incurring the wrath of your mom. And that's what that, that it may go well with you means. Man, how cool is it to know that you can ask your mom for whatever you want and you don't have to think about what you've done or what she had to tell you to do. Obey her. Listen to her. The second thing you can do to honor your mom is to love her. And I want to say this. No matter where you find yourself in your relationship with your mom, if she is still living, it is not too late to love her. And the best way that we can show our moms that we love them is with our gratitude, expressions of praise, letting them know how much we love them, showing them that we recognize their unconditional love in our life. And our response to, to that recognition is to let them know, I love you in return, mom. Give them their flowers. The old, the old mothers used to say, give me my flowers while I'm still living, while I can smell them. Hmm. And the third thing you can do is you can respect her. Because I'll tell you something. One day, come on, respect now. One day, the Lord willing, you're going to have children of your own. Mm-hmm. You know, and those things that you, that you say, you know, when I become a mom, I'll, I'll never put my child through that. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you what I learned. Yes, you will. <laughs> I'll tell you something. The older you get, the smarter your parents will become. And you'll find yourself doing the same things and being the same mom for your children as your nurturing mom is to you. Respect what your mom is giving you, how she's pouring herself out into your life. And you'll be a better parent as a result of it. And so as I close today, I, I just want to say this. You know, mom, I know you're going to be listening to this. I told you we we're going to be recording this. And I want to pay special tribute to you. I want to thank you for your investment in my life. Because of you, I have become, because of your influence, I have become the man that I am today. Thank you for what you poured into me. And for the rest of you moms here, all of you, I want to say to you, happy Mother's Day. And may you experience the joys, many, many joys of what it means to be a mother, not just today, but in the days ahead.